Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode we're going to be talking about the wildcard round of the NFL just a little bit. This is going to be a much quicker episode than usual. Honestly, I've just been really slammed this week um, between schoolwork and just some other things going on. Um, sorry about that, but again, the NFL season's kind of coming to a close, so there's not really too much content to talk about anyways. I'm just going to quickly talk about the Chargers collapse. I'm going to talk about the Ravens and how they played the Bengals really close, and I was surprised how close that game was. We're going to talk about the Bills and how they faced Miami and some of their weaknesses showing through in that game and how it might whoa how it might carry over sorry if you heard that to this Bengals game this weekend um not going to focus too much on some of the other games but I mean let's just get into it again this is going to be a shorter episode because I do have class fairly soon here and again there's not as much to talk about but let's just briefly get into it all so I'll see you guys in the episode Alright, so like I said, I need to start this episode off with the Chargers' absolute collapse. Um, I mean, felt like everything went right for the Chargers and wrong for the Jags in the first half, and then the second half came, just completely different script, completely flipped on its head. Um, this was really impressive for Trevor Lawrence to, you know, fight through this adversity and really make this, you know, turnaround the way he did. Having four turnovers in the first half, I believe five in total, from a team's point of view, there were negative five in the turnover differential in this game. To be able to come back and win, I mean, you got to give a ton of credit to Doug Peterson and his crew in this one. Uh, Evan Ingram made a ton of plays for them in this one. He's been stepping up big the last few weeks. I mean, honestly, all the really big free agent acquisitions really came up big for them in this one. Christian Kirk with eight catches, Zay Jones with eight catches, Evan Ingram with eight, or sorry, seven catches, but they each had a touchdown all over 70 yards receiving. So their playmakers really did make plays in this one. Travis Etienne, very effective on the ground as a whole, and obviously having one of the biggest plays in the game on that third and one, um, really gutsy play call there by Doug Peterson ended up paying off huge for them um, if you don't know what I'm talking about just look up Travis Etienne run I'm sure it'll be the first thing that pops up um, really really impressive stuff from the Jacksonville Jaguars but I mean on the other side you gotta discredit the Chargers in a lot of way I really didn't like how they matched up with the Jaguars in this game and I thought they were gonna lose but to lose in this fashion I I mean no one really saw this coming by any means it was just an utter and total collapse um i've been very very critical of the chargers coaching staff all year long joe lombardi and brandon staley mostly have been i've been pretty critical of those two guys uh they fired joe lombardi already they also fired their quarterbacks coach who i can't remember his name right off the top of my head again not too surprised by that i am a little surprised that you know Staley hasn't gone yet or hasn't gone first before those guys even I think he's just as much of the problem as Joe Lombardi is and yes Lombardi may be hindering this offense a little but I really like Lombardi as a piece of reuniting him with Sean Payton I mean if you want to pursue a guy like Sean who I believe has a no trade clause in his contract it sounds like he does want to come back to coaching that feels like a piece that would definitely be you know useful in persuading Sean Payton to head to Los Angeles because they've got a you know a long relationship together. Obviously, being the OC in 
New Orleans for a really long time when Sean Payton was the head coach down there. But again, it's not like I can say I'm surprised that he's gone by any means. It's not like he's he has hindered this offense in a few ways. Um, just as far as I, you would love to see this offense be a little more aggressive, let Justin Field unleash himself a little bit more, but it's a lot more of death by a million paper cuts. Either way, I really don't think he was the problem. I really think Staley is the big issue here. I hate his game management. I don't love a lot of his situational play calling that it feels like he has a lot more control over than, than Lombardi. Um, there's been defensive just absolute wrecks, and this guy is a defensive-minded head coach, obviously was the defensive coordinator at the Rams. You expect this defense, with all the star power it has, you expect him to be a lot better, and just continuously being this bad against the run over his entire tenure there, it really does show that he's just over his skis, in my opinion. The uh, Dan, Dean Spanos, or is that the owner? trying to remember. I think it's Spanos. Um, sorry if you can hear that motorcycle in the background. D Spanos already came out and said that they're going to go with him sticking moving forward. They're going to stick with him moving forward. I do not agree with that decision at all, but let me know what you guys think about that. Maybe I'm being too harsh. I personally just, I've been very critical of Brandon Staley pretty much this entire season. Honestly, since last year, I've been very, very critical of him. So I'm, I mean, I'd be shocked if he's still the head coach at the start of the season. Obviously, they've said one thing. That doesn't mean the NFL team has to stick with it. Teams lie all the time. So you frankly never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, obviously, it goes both ways. You can give some credit to the Jaguars. It's a very impressive comeback. Love what Doug Peterson is building there with Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence is seemingly, you know, finally blossoming into the quarterback that we all thought he was going to be, especially in the last two months. Um, really, really fun to see that. <sighs> It's also a fun exercise to think that Byron Leftwich, who was initially supposed to be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, he ended up staying in Tampa Bay and he just got fired as their offensive coordinator. Again, no surprise there at all. Um, I think Todd Bowles also deserves a lot of the credit for just how bad everything went there. But regardless, I guess we can jump straight into that game. Fuck it. Let's talk about uh, Cowboys versus Buccaneers. This was awful by Tom Brady he played a really really bad game made a really lot of just unbrady like decisions that turnover in the red zone I have to say the announcers jinx the jinx the absolute fuck out of him they said he hadn't thrown one since like 20 some ridiculous stat I don't remember what it what year it was exactly I want to say 2017 that feels like a little bit of an exaggeration now that I'm saying it but I literally commented to all my friends that I was watching it with next thing you know he threw a pick so I want to say I didn't jinx it, the commentators did, and it was really just wraps this entire game. Um, the Cowboys came out, looked nervous on the first drive, but after that, it was just over. The Cowboys just completely dominated this game on all fronts. Brady looked really scared, under pressure the whole time. Micah Parsons was just an absolute problem in this game, despite, you know, rolling something up. It looked like at, um, at the end of the first half there, he just came back out in the second half and looked just as good. Tony Pollard had a really good game in this one. Zeke had a really quiet game, but I mean... Just a lot of blown coverages on the backside of the ball for the Buccaneers. Opened up CeeDee Lamb quite a few times. Um, and Dak Prescott overall, I mean, other than the start of the game, where he started, I believe, 0 for 4, he was he played a, pretty much a perfect game. One of the better games of his career. And again, this, note, this uh, narrative that Brady was going to come up big in the playoffs and that the Cowboys always seem to choke in the playoffs, which I was definitely riding going into this game because I want to say... I was 5 for 6 this weekend, and this was the one fucking game I needed to go my way, and I would have been 6 for 6, but either way, it really doesn't matter. My point is, the script really flipped in this one. Um, Tom Brady, you know, 
it felt over even when obviously even when it was 18 nothing you never know you can't count Brady out all those missed extra points you know it gives him a shot and whatever but it really felt like Tampa never had life at all in this game uh, it really wasn't much of a game and again Dalton Schultz had a really good game in this one but beyond I said his name really weird Dalton not Dalton Dalton Schultz had a really good game in this one but I mean regardless again Dak Prescott just played really well Tom Brady his offense looked pretty much how they looked all year long. I really thought they were going to turn it on a little bit more in this game, in the playoffs, at home. Um, I thought Dallas was going to come out look a little nervous because, and frankly, they did look really nervous to start this game, but I thought they were going to keep it out, keep it up throughout the game because I think there's a lot of pressure on this team to win now. I think they realize that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just got to say, like, this was pretty much exactly what these teams look like in the regular season. I was expecting a little bit of... Uh, what's the word, just turnover from the regular season, I guess, if that makes sense. I was expecting a little bit of a change, but it didn't end up going on that way. Anyways, Cowboys look impressive in their first win of the playoffs and probably their only win. I <laughs> hate to be a dick, but probably their only win of the playoffs this year. Up next, um, let's talk about Bills Dolphins really quickly. Again, this is just going to be a really quick episode, so if it feels like I'm breezing through these, it's because I am. Sorry, I've got class soon, and again, not too much to talk about here. These games were a while ago, so it's more so how do these games affect, you know, the divisional round. That's more so what I'm focused on, not so much focused on the contents of the game. So like I said in the preview, or sorry, in the intro, Dolphins Bills was way, way way too close all because josh allen made some really crucial mistakes in this one just too many turnovers in totality i've been talking about this for a long long time now with the buffalo bills they're over overly reliant on josh allen it really does concern me in a lot of ways and this is a game where those concerns really shine through he had a lot of turnovers in this game uh the dolphins offense was absolutely awful but they were able to keep it really competitive throughout the game frankly because josh allen was just making stupid mistakes stuff you definitely cannot afford to do when you're playing teams like the Bengals, like the chiefs that's just not going to be able to fly um and i mean as far as the dolphins go it's just impressive they were here in the first place with tua going down and having all these injuries and be able to keep it as close as they they did if their defense played this well the rest of the year this would have been an even better year for the miami dolphins but regardless i i there's not too much to take away from this game other than Josh Allen needs to clean his game up because I seriously don't know if that's going to be able to fly against the Bengals this weekend. And I know the Bengals have a lot of injuries along their offensive line, but Joe Burrow is a guy who's tremendous under pressure. We saw that last year. He took a team to the Super Bowl with a below average offensive line, works really well under pressure, and tends to limit his mistakes, which Josh Allen has not been doing recently. So up next, let's talk about the Giants versus the Vikings. Hell yeah, saw this game coming, read right through it, not surprised at all, but just so good for the Giants. Just what a game, what a story. Brian Dayball coming in first year, winning a playoff game with Daniel Jones, someone who I've been very harsh on during his time with the New York Giants. It's just so impressive what he did in this one, and I know the Minnesota Vikings defense is awful. Um, that's why I picked the Giants in this one, frankly, but you know, you gotta give him credit. They were making the right decisions, and even though he did miss some big time throws in this one, which he could have had, I mean, he was smart with the football, just efficient. Um, again, it's not like he has many weapons on the exterior. I mean, think about it. He's he's, he's playing with wide receivers like Richie James, Hodgins, um, Darius Slayton, and he's making the mess the most out of it. So you gotta give him a lot of credit there. Saquon Barkley with an incredible game in this one again, one of the best running backs in the NFL. We all know that. And then, as far as excuse me, the Vikings go, I thought the Giants defense 
you could tell they were just making such an emphasis to not let Justin Jefferson go crazy. And in a lot of ways, the, all that attention towards Jefferson, you know, made a lot of other guys available to make these plays. But in the end, the lights were just too bright for Kirk Cousins. He took a check down on fourth and eight, whatever it was. They ended up wrapping up the game. And the New York Giants get a much-deserved win in Minnesota. Um, so really impressive stuff there. Again, can't say it's too surprising because I think we all saw that the Minnesota Vikings were definitely frauds. Um, it didn't take too much of the <laughs> of uh, you know football knowledge to know that to be true, and it showed true in the first round. Up next, let's talk about the Ravens versus the Bengals. Um, the Bengals obviously won this game 24-17. to This wasn't a fantastic game. And obviously the play of the game was Tyler Huntley's QB sneak has been the topic of a lot of media posts this week. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins has been at the forefront um, of this conversation as well because, you know, he's made some really interesting comments last weekend. He said he was annoyed with his usage. He wished he got the ball more. He also included that if they had Lamar Jackson, they would have won this game. Now, I mean, I, I can't really say that he's wrong by saying that because it does feel like if they had Lamar in this one, they would have been playing. But... My point is, this game was, its margin was just razor, razor thin. I mean, it could have totally gone either way in this one. Um, and that Sam Hubbard play really just makes it that much more important. That was the play of the game. To have a swing like that, where the Ravens can possibly go up seven, instead now they're down seven, that type of swing. And by the way, they still had a shot at the end of the game to win this game. That Hail Mary maybe should have been caught by Deshaun Jackson in the back of the end zone, but that's really not the point. It shouldn't have gone to that point in the first place. They should have been up by seven if Brent Hundley doesn't fumble on that sneak. Or, you know, J.K. Dobbins might have a point. Don't ever think it. Just hand him the fucking rock. Let him power it in. Um, again, don't love the play call in there, but again, that's not really the problem at the end of the day. It's more one of those things where... These teams are crazy competitive. The NFL is crazy competitive. These teams know each other really well. Obviously, divisional rivals, so they know they're very familiar with what they want to do on offense, on defense, and it really showed in this game. I mean, the competition is so close at the NFL level. Even when you know you we think it's going to be, we what was the spread before this game? I want to say it was eight and a half points or something like that, right? And yeah, I mean, it ended up being this close. Same with the Dolphins and the Bills. That was like a double-digit point spread. Ended up being very close. Even in the case of the Seahawks and the Niners, I mean, another divisional game, right? And it ended up being, you know, what, an 18-point game? It was 23-41, to 41, whatever it was. Um, but there was points in that game. Obviously, the first half, the Seahawks were leading going into halftime. So, again, I feel like the NFL is in a really good spot. It's really competitive amongst all these teams. And... Bengals and Baltimore was just, you know, a great example of that. Coming in with a backup quarterback in Tyler Huntley, who, by the way, had, he did have a, a pretty good game for a backup. I was really impressed with a lot of the stuff, stuff he was able to do in this one. Um, but it really, I guess, yeah, it really just does show how close the competition is. Um, good for the Baltimore to even keep it this competitive. And who knows if Lamar's playing in this one. And I guess the next step in this whole process, which, excuse me, I'm sure I'll talk plenty about, um, before he gets his contract hopefully i can cover it a little bit and just like give you guys my insight but it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens with lamar this offseason obviously i don't think the ravens can let him go i mean i mean i guess they can but i really don't think they want to worst case scenario they can franchise him um which i again i don't think they'll do i don't even think he'd want to play on a franchise tag i think he wants his money guaranteed and 
they're pretty much in a box where they kind of have to pay him, but it's just going to be really interesting to see Interesting to see how much money he gets, how much money he's willing to take, because obviously doesn't have a traditional agent. It sounds like he already turned down a $250 million deal with $133 million guaranteed, and it didn't sound like it was the actual money that was a problem. It sounded like he wanted more guaranteed money because, I mean, he should. He, he deserves it with his play style and how, you know, at risk of injury he can be with the way they play him in that offense. It really does make you think, like, are they going to have to make some business decisions with how they use Lamar here? Are they going to give him the big contract and then not have him run as much? Because if they don't, that's really taken away from his game. That's really what makes him so dynamic. That's what makes Lamar Lamar. And it's not like he's a bad passer by any means. He's not like Justin Fields or anything. But it's that explosive play ability with his arm that really makes him special so gonna be really interesting interesting to see what happens there now before i close out this episode let's just quickly talk about the upcoming matchups i think the my favorite matchup to watch of this next weekend has got to be giants versus eagles the eagles are currently seven and a half point favorites obviously coming off of a bye this game is going to be in philadelphia but i just alluded to it yes the eagles are a very 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 good football team don't get me wrong like one of the most talented teams in the league and the giants for where they are they're greatly outplaying their talent so that spread is definitely something that's worth monitoring because one it's a divisional game you expect these games to be very competitive a little over a touchdown feels a little disrespectful towards the giants but then again the talent discrepancy i don't think it's more evident with any other matchup in this next weekend i think this is by far the greatest um so it's gonna be really interesting to see what brian dayball has you know planned out i think they're gonna take a run first approach i really think they're gonna try and push philadelphia around um if daniel jones can just limit his mistakes against the secondary i really do i hate that matchup if i'm being honest i think the Eagles' secondary is just way too good for the giants and these weapons who are pretty much lackluster on the perimeter there but again seven and a half points really really big spread divisional game brian dayball one of the best head coaches in the league this year so gonna be really interesting to see what their game plan is in this one because you just never know with these divisional games but again the talent discrepancy is huge so definitely something to monitor up next let's talk about jaguars versus the chiefs again sorry if i'm fucking speeding through these but i'm it's just how it goes there's not that many games there's not too much to talk about and frankly i'm just keeping it simple keeping it light um again couldn't watch as much film as i wanted to this week honestly couldn't really watch any film if i'm being completely fucking honest i couldn't i couldn't even get i watched every single game but it's not like i rewatched them it's not like i watched the highlights or anything like that so again this is more of just a riff and we're just <laughs> i don't know sorry guys i i swear i am putting an effort into this it's just been a really busy week like i said up next let's talk about jags chiefs getting distracted um so we've got trevor lawrence versus patrick mahomes who would have thought the jaguars would be in the divisional round i mean it was pretty i mean i wouldn't say obvious but it was it was definitely a thought that the jaguars were going to go into the playoffs you know with a few weeks left in the season but i mean to be here playing patrick mahomes in arrowhead i don't think they're gonna have any chance in this game frankly obviously you never know it's the nfl any given team can win but just for doug peterson and trevor lawrence to be here i really think that should be the storyline of the game i think it's just so impressive what they've done same thing i said about the seahawks against the niners last week no matter what happens in these games it's just impressive that these teams are here and where they are because they're technically still in a rebuild they still have really young quarterbacks and um well not in the seahawks case but you know what i mean they're both in rebuilds they were not expecting to be playoff teams and here they are um so yeah gotta give them a ton of credit there that's really got to be the takeaway from all of this and 
Will Kansas City's special teams fuck this game up for them? I guess that's the other storyline coming out of this one because their special teams has been very hit or miss this year. Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony have been struggling with muff punts all year long, so we'll see if it ends up biting them in the ass this game. Either way, I really don't think it matters. Up next, let's talk about Bengals-Bills and what I think is going to be the best game of the weekend, in my opinion. Obviously, a rematch of the week, whatever week that was, week 17 matchup, um, where the... Damar Hamlin incident happened. Obviously, very scary stuff there. This game is going to be in Buffalo this time, not in Cincinnati. And, again, I, I mean, I really think that the two things that are most important to this game, and I really, I, I already alluded it to it earlier, but there's two things. It's Josh Allen's turnovers and the reliance on him. I think they need to establish the run game more in this one. I think they need to get Devin Singletary going. I think that's going to be very crucial for them winning this game. But also... The Bengals' offensive line. They've got a lot of injuries along, among it right now. Obviously, Lael Collins, Lael Collins has been, been out. excuse me. But Jonah Williams dislocated his kneecap last week. He's going to be out for the rest of the playoffs. And Alex Kappa, their guard, also out. Sounds like he's going to be out the rest of the playoffs as well. I could be mistaken about that, but I know he's definitely out this game. Um, that's a really big deal. Missing, obviously, three of your starters. Lyle Collins been out, so I guess two of your starters. Um, that's a really, really big deal, especially against this Bills defensive front, which is very, very stout, very deep. Got a lot of guys there between Ed Oliver, um, Jordan Phillips, fucking Boogie Basham, Gregory Rousseau. I mean, you can keep going. They've just got tons of ball players along that defensive line, um, which can definitely you know create some havoc for the Cincinnati Bengals here. But frankly, it doesn't really matter if you're giving the ball over in this one. And the Bengals' defense is very competent. They can definitely get a lot of turnovers in this one. Um, Eli Apple might get a little bit exposed in this one. He got exposed by Demarcus Robinson last game. He's probably going to be getting a good amount of Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie and some of those shiftier guys. So definitely something to monitor there. But, I mean, just Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow, it's going to be an amazing game. Definitely looking forward to this one. And I think it's going to be the game of the weekend. I think it's going to be the closest game. I don't know what the over-under is at right now, but I imagine it's very, very high. I know it's a four-and-a-half-point spread. And... I don't know, call me a hater of Josh Allen, or maybe I'm loving on Burrow too much, but I really do lean towards Cincinnati, at least in the spread-wise. Five and a half points just seems like far too many. Over-under currently at 49 points, definitely something I'd be eyeing there too. Up next, obviously, Cowboys-Niners last game I got to talk about in this one. Cowboys are currently three and a half point underdogs. I mean, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, this is a rematch of last year's wild card round when San Francisco went into the Dallas and basically ran over Dallas. There, Dallas had that whole QB jaw conundrum; couldn't have enough play to, or couldn't have enough time to call another play. And uh, you know, I think we all remember how that went. Mike McCarthy got a bunch of heat. A lot of people were talking about him possibly being fired. Obviously, they come back. Um, playing them again, so it's going to be really interesting to see new quarterback in Brock Purdy. Um, I think. I mean. Talent-wise, these are two of the more talented teams in the NFL. Um, two of the Defensive Player of the Year candidates going off against each other in Micah Parsons and Joey Bosa. I mean, sorry, Nick Bosa. Um, but overall, I really do think the talent of the Niners just pulls through. This game is going to be in San Francisco as well, so that's definitely a good home field advantage. And I think something that not enough people are paying attention to that's definitely going to matter in this one is Dallas just played on Monday in Tampa Bay. They have to go back to Dallas and then all the way to San Francisco um, for a game on Sunday. Whereas, so Monday to Sunday, keep that in mind. Whereas 
the Niners played last week on Saturday in San Francisco at home. They don't have to go anywhere. They've been sitting at home all week, and now they got Dallas coming in. I think that makes a really big difference in this game. And again, I think Dallas is just, I mean, sorry, I think San Francisco is just too well coached. Um, Brock Purdy, although he's not like the reason they're winning, he is making a lot of plays that even Jimmy Garoppolo would not be able to make when he was on this team. So got to give him some credit there. And I think this is the end of the Cowboys run this year. I think the 49ers continue with their recent playoff success and find a way to win this game. With all that being said, guys, that's going to be it from this for me this episode i hope you enjoyed if you did be sure to share this with your friends and family follow my instagram at murphy's league follow this spotify account here at murphy's league and yeah thanks for watching guys thanks for listening i guess (laughs) have a good day and peace out